Hello, beautiful people. My name is Flamio, and this is the 814 to 412 podcast where I'm going to be talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, Pittsburgh Pirates, for the hometown of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and the hometown of Erie, Pennsylvania. This podcast is a brand new one that I'm starting up, but we got a lot to talk about for the very first episode, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers look dominant, and yes, I know it looks, or it sounds funny to even say for a preseason game, but if it were the other way around and the Pittsburgh Steelers got dominated, we would not be as hyped as we are right now for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also for the hype train, for Pittsburgh Pirates' case, yeah, they look pretty shitty. We can't develop superstars. But you know what we do have? We have Paul Skeens starting in his second single-A game. I'll get more into that, but I want to thank you all for joining me here on this journey for the very first episode of 814 to 412 podcast. I really hope that y'all are enjoying that intro. That took me uh, a long time to make. Uh, a lot of my um, favorite moments of, well, really for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And, uh, you know, I had to throw in there some picket to pickens action for the Pittsburgh Steelers. But also, you know, Andrew McCutcheon had to be in there. But let's get down to brass tasks, guys. I mean, thank you all for joining this brand new podcast, 814 to 412. If you do like what you hear at the very end of the podcast, give me a follow, or you can even subscribe to me on any of the uh, podcast platforms that better known as uh, Apple Podcast or Google Podcast or even Spotify. Spotify is really trying to up their game on the podcast, so give that button a follow or a like, whatever that you want to do. But let's get down to it with... I just got to start off with the Pittsburgh Steelers, man. The Pittsburgh Steelers look... I don't want to get ahead of myself, but just they just looked in sync. From what we saw last year when Kenny Pickett would come into the game, yeah, he would throw it in the middle to Pat Fryermuth. It's the same that we're seeing again, but this one was a back shoulder pass to the tight end Pat Fryermuth. And that just shows how much of a connection that he has with just with the tight end group in Pat Fryermuth. The connection and the trust that you know that I'm going to put it in a spot where this guy can catch it. And that's exactly what Kenny Pickett did with Pat Fryermuth.
I mean, like, let's look at the stats here. I know that it's only off of one carry, but Jalen Warren, yeah, he had that burst 62-yard touchdown run on his first attempt and his only attempt. Najee Harris, two attempts, six yards. Yeah. I'm not trying to uh, split hairs here, but maybe the play call was something designed for uh, Jalen Warren to go all the way for a touchdown and maybe it was just a great formation and a great setup but all that I'm saying is that Jalen Warren looks like he could be a you know first team running back probably at a couple different <clears throat> NFL uh, organizations not trying to give any hate to Najee Harris because he is a number one running back. But it is a great problem to have for a Pittsburgh Steelers and a Pittsburgh Steelers fan to have two great running backs. It's a fantastic problem to have. And next up to talk about is obviously uh, Kenny fucking Pickett. <laughs> Kenny Pickett looked so poised in that pocket. <clears throat> he knew where he was going to go, what he was going to do next. Looking off cornerbacks, throwing the other way, he just looked like the part. And I said this last year. Now, I'll be the first one to say, I did not like the draft pick that this Pittsburgh Steelers did last year. I thought that they were reaching. But, you know, I was saying that I will be happily and... I will be pleasantly surprised if he overachieves from what I think that he will be. I thought maybe, okay, you know, he's a little too small to be a quarterback. I don't really like the gloves. I wasn't on board with everybody saying he has too small of a hand to fit that football around his hand. But, you know, I was not for that. I thought that that was just people trying to get clout on their platforms. I thought ESPN was doing shit just to talk about, you know, for the pre-draft. But Kenny Pickett, he just is putting in the work. He wants to be better. He's about, I think, 15, 20 pounds heavier than what he was last year. He And when he came into my work, he didn't look like he gained weight in the face. He looked like that, you know, he's a big dude. He looked like that, you know, he looks fit. I don't know why that he's eating our shitty meatballs, but you know, <laughs> more power too. Maybe his girl, uh, uh, sorry, maybe his wife wanted to come there and it, like do their thing, but you know, to each their own, however you want to say that. But let's look at the stats. I know it's a small sample, but he did quick work. He was three for four for 43 yards, a touchdown, and just looked phenomenal. He looked like the part, and I don't want to sound like a broken record, but he had that it factor. He looks like a starting quarterback, and he looks like a franchise quarterback at that. And like I said before, if it were the other way around, and the Pittsburgh Steelers lost 15 to 27 or 14 to 27 whatever the score was I don't really fucking remember nor do I care <laughs> because after all it is preseason but 
you can look at it like this. If the Pittsburgh Steelers were on the other side of it and they lost, we all would be a little bit worried, kind of like how the Buffalo Bills are being worried right now. Honestly, honest to God, the Bills have nothing to worry about. It was just a very sloppy game on their part. They have the talent. Do I think that they're going to be winning their division this year? I am one of the few that think that they're not going to win their own division. I think it's going to be somebody else, but... With the Buffalo Bills, they have nothing to worry about. And the Pittsburgh Steelers just dominated because of the Buffalo Bills sloppiness. And they capitalized. That's something that they didn't do last year. They rarely capitalized on free plays, on uh, penalties that the other team was doing. And with Kenny Pickett at QB1, it looks good for the Pittsburgh Steelers. And also, talking about wide receivers now, didn't really see Deontay Johnson. I know he had a very key block for Jalen Warren, um, but he really didn't do much uh, outside of blocking. Uh, George Pickens, he still looks like a fucking freak. Don't think that he's better than Justin Jefferson, but that's another story. Allen Robinson, he looked good. I think he's going to be a very great acquisition for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think he's going to be a great number three wide receiver on the team. Dude, depth wins championships. And the Pittsburgh Steelers have depth all across the board besides center and probably cornerback. With uh, that Thompson guy wearing Mike Wallace's number (laughs) out on the field. I'll get more into that in a second. But they just looked good all around, even the backup quarterbacks. I know a lot of you aren't a big fan of Mitch Trubisky and Mason Rudolph. I think Mason Rudolph has gotten a shitty hand. But I think, all in all, I think he would be a great quarterback. uh, No, a great backup quarterback for the Pittsburgh Steelers or any type of organization in the NFL. A couple of winners and losers, I think. Obviously, uh, the clear winner was Jalen Warren. I know a lot of people have been buzzing about him in training camp uh, and Anthony McFarland. I know a lot of people are a fan of him too, but um, I think Jalen Warren just only solidified that he is uh, RB2 or possibly RB1 sometimes. And I think that him and Najee Harris are going to be splitting in the backfield. I would love to see a wing T formation with them too, but obviously that formation doesn't really work in the NFL, maybe back in the 90s and early 2000s, but I don't really think uh, that would ever happen. Certainly, uh, like Jalen Warren uh, is a standout, but obviously the clear winner after this preseason week two game, just the entire offense, man. The entire offense just looked great and Kenny Pickett he looked good like I said he put his way to another big time throw uh, hitting Pat Fryermuth on a back shoulder trusting and just the chemistry that them two have and with him George Pickens Maybe Allen Robinson will get in there. Uh, probably Deontay Johnson, but I know that they all have been working with each other and the chemistry has to be good. If him and Pat Fryermuth already have this chemistry and that trust to have that back shoulder throw for a touchdown up the middle with tight coverage, 
he just looked. But, you know, everything can't be great. There has to be some, you know, sort of setback. Don't really want to talk about it that much, but I, like, we have to. This is the second game in a row that we've seen it with Kendrick Green with a bad shotgun snap and what people would be saying on Twitter, a Kendrick Green finest moment. <laughs> like, like I've told you guys, I hate putting him on a negative sort of aspect of it. I know Mike Tomlin's been trying to put him in uh, as a fullback, trying to try to get his uh, confidence back up, but it's not working. He's not a center in the NFL. Maybe guard at best, uh, maybe a fullback, but his performance, like what Mike Tomlin said, he straight up said in the uh, post-game conference, not good enough. <laughs> and you are undoubtedly a loser in this game. I don't want to say loser. It just, you just don't look good, man. You look like that you have ice skates on. You just keep getting pushed back. You get swimmed on. I don't really understand what type of workouts that he does to try to uh, correct his, um, his, I guess, art of alignment. But to like review, I would be undoubtedly shocked if Kendrick Green makes this NFL roster. Uh, if you look at it in hindsight, this was maybe possibly the greatest bust in a round three draft that the Pittsburgh Steelers have had in quite a while. I know a lot of people were high on him. I didn't really like the pick back in the day. I thought that he was too small and it just, it, the evidence is out there. So, uh, but the other lineman that I'm, I don't want to put on a, a negative aspect of, but dude, Broderick Jones, he had a couple good plays out there. He played probably 75% of the snaps uh, for the week two preseason game. But he he didn't look good. He didn't look bad. Let's just say that. He made a couple plays out there where y you were just saying to yourself, it's like, what are you doing, man? Where's the hustle? And that's what I love. I love it when people hustle. But Roger Jones, uh, he... He wasn't a loser, but he didn't help his cause uh, to try to win that left tackle role. Uh, Dan Moore, he looked, you know, can't get any complaints out of him. He looked good. <clears throat> he didn't look like he was uh, confused. He was hitting his blocks, and he just solidifi solidified his role as the left tackle of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if, if you honestly want to have Dan Moore Jr. start at left tackle for the first three games, by all means, go right ahead. Let's not rush Broderick Jones. Broderick Jones looks like a kid. I'm not saying that to be mean, <clears throat> but maybe, you know, looks are a lot. And it just seems like he might have a lot of learning to do. Maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers know what they're doing. Maybe they're not going to be starting him right away. 
Coach Mike T, he knows what he's doing with this shit. I trust him. I didn't for maybe up until uh, the year, uh, COVID year. I didn't really trust him. But after that COVID year, when Big Ben went down, you know, I trust him. And any other Steeler fan, if you don't really agree with Mike Tomlin, there might be something wrong with you. The Besides the Jalen Warren 62-yard touchdown run, the offensive rush didn't really look that great when you go down the depth chart. Uh, I mean, the first team offensive line, they did show and they got more than a few quality runs. But I guess for a team that is supposed to be built upon the running game, it didn't really look good as they went down the depth chart. Even Anthony McFarland, he, I mean, he had a couple moves. I mean, he looks like he has the talent, but it looks like that it didn't really all sink in between the offensive line and the running backs as you went down the chart. And outside of that one run by Jalen Warren, the team only averaged 1.8 yards per carry on 32 rushes for 59 yards outside of the Jalen Warren 62-yard touchdown run. That's not that great. And the quarterbacks really didn't look good because, you know, (laughs) Kendra Green kept getting pushed over and, you know, the quarterbacks had nowhere to go. And as Forrest Gump would say, you know, that's all I got to say about that. Moving along, moving along. Uh, I guess let's go back to the positive side of things. Um, where do I have this in my notes? Oh, yeah. So the cornerbacks, uh, more so the slot cornerbacks. Uh, the Steelers came into this one with a massive question at slot cornerback. Who's going to be it? Since, uh, you know, Corey Trice got injured for the rest of the year, who's going to be it? Is it going to be Patrick Peterson? Is it going to be... Uh, uh, Levi Wallace, is it going to be Joey Porter Jr., or better known as JPJ, uh, or Chandon Sullivan, or uh, the big upcoming guy uh, out of camp, uh, what's his name, Elijah Riley. I don't think that they have a clear passing down nickel cornerback just yet, but like I said at the very beginning, it could be Patrick Peterson, but I'm really not sure if we know that just yet uh, i think that we have to give this some more time and let things unfold as we go along and as mike tomlin would say if you have red paint you paint your barn red as he would say i don't really think that that really makes sense right now but i just really wanted to say that uh and like i said Shannon sullivan and elijah riley they both got interceptions in this game I believe that they were at the slot cornerback position uh, but they could be a solid uh, slot cornerback I think that it's a huge upgrade from Arthur Mollett a lot of people don't really think that I don't know why that they think that but you know that's I guess their opinion Uh, but one or both of these players should make the final 53 man roster and in my personal opinion, I think that they both should. And at slot cornerback, I think that they do excel with their skill sets and their level. The, uh, the other cornerback that I really didn't 
feel that impressed with was Trenton Thompson. I think that he is very, he's too aggressive. I think that there were at times uh, in last night's games where he was out of position because he was trying to hit people. Uh, I noticed that when he did hit somebody, he knocked himself out of the game. Uh, He was in the blue tent, but I clearly knew that it was just a stinger because he was just flying all over the place trying to like, that's good. You're hustling, but know where you're going and know where you're going and know what's going to be happening for the outcome of it. Don't just go flying and trying to hit people. Yeah. Everyone loves hitting people in the NFL, but you got to be smart with that. And this safety room is already deep enough where if you're in a tight game, you need to rotate some safeties. And we already have uh, that Keanu Neal guy, and we have uh, DeMonte KZ, and we obviously have Mika Fitzpatrick, uh, the top all-pro that he is. And I just don't think that uh, Trenton Thompson really helped out his case uh, for this game, and it's up to this Thursday to see what happens in the Thursday night football game and if he helps him out if he helps himself out more that's great but if he doesn't have a good game and if he has a game like what we just saw last night against the Buffalo Bills I see him being cut uh, for the Pittsburgh Steelers and I just want to talk about one more thing and then I will move on to uh, have a little segment for the Pittsburgh Pirates here the outside linebackers guys I don't know uh, what the Pittsburgh Steelers did. I don't know how they do it, uh, but this is the actual list. So let me actually bring this up. All right, here it is. Uh, so when you have a list of TJ Watt, Alex Highsmith, Marcus Golden, just signed, and you drafted a fourth round linebacker out of Wisconsin in Nick Herbig. He fell all the way down to the fourth round because people thought that he was too small for the position. Well, that probably lit a fire underneath Nick Herbig's ass. Because Nick Herbig has leveled up his game from one game to the next. And under his wing, or he's under TJ Watt's wing, both coming out of Wisconsin... Probably have a great program there if you can develop guys like TJ Watt and Nick Herbig. Both have brothers in the fucking league. I mean, like, the Steelers just keep doing this. Alex Alex Highsmith just signed the five-year, $70 million contract, I believe. Don't quote me on that. Highsmith, he just appears to be even better than last year. I, I know when he came up into my work... When I saw him, talked to him maybe like for 15 seconds, just seems like a straight up dude. And being a bartender, you get that feeling of you know how to read somebody. And honest to God, it couldn't have happened to a better person than Alex Highsmith. I'm so glad that we got him for a five-year, $70 million contract. That's a steal to back up TJ Watt. Both... Like, that front seven for the Pittsburgh Steelers looks great. And on top, you got Minka Fitzpatrick, Patrick Peterson, Levi Wallace, JPJ. This defense looks like, you know, 
put they're putting their money where their mouth is. And TJ Watt is one of the best edge rushers in the league by far. By far. I don't know who's doing all these uh, rankings and having TJ Watt outside of the top three. Get the fuck out of here. The Steelers are legitimately four deep at linebackers, outside linebackers. And that's great. The more depth you have, the better chance that you are in the long run. Durability, the stamina, the hustle. That's exactly what Nick Herbig and TJ Watt do. You love to see it. God damn it, they looked fucking good. I know my friend Matt is going to fucking say, bro, chill. It's just preseason. Okay, I get it. But you know, the Ravens have won, what, 18 straight preseason football games? And that's maybe, what, out of the four or five seasons of the NFL? Ever since Lamar Jackson's came into the league, he's never lost a preseason football game. I don't know if he started, but, you know, that's saying something. It has to mean something. Now, if we were 0-3 and not 2-0, if we lose this game on Thursday, all right, whatever, that's fine. As long as our starters get some reps in, get the the cobwebs off, that means a whole lot more than, you know, not playing and rather than getting your cobwebs off in the regular season. I'd rather have it now and take that chance if somebody does get hurt. But these are professionals. They know when to hit and people who are trying to make a name for themselves. And if they do, then they about to get clobbed in the fucking mouth. All right, well, enough of the Pittsburgh Steelers. Great win. They're going to be playing this Thursday. Uh, who are they playing up against? I forget. But they are, they are playing Thursday, so make sure to tune in for that. Uh, if you are from Pittsburgh, obviously, it'll be on KDKA with the fabulous color commentary of Charlie Batch and Bob Pompiani. Let's talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates, though. The Pittsburgh Pirates, number one overall pick. Paul Skeens had a second minor league debut uh, for two innings, and I believe he got zero hits, even though um, in the first inning, uh, two batters were on base. One was, I forget what it was, but the other one was an error on the first baseman. Paul Skeens looks great. Uh, It was a hot one out there in Bradenton. I think the highest that his ball went was 99, 98. Uh, I couldn't really tell. Uh, I'm still waiting on some video. But from what I heard, his changeup looks great. I know that he's been on record saying that that's his favorite pitch. Uh, even when he started pitching, uh, the changeup was his uh, go-to pitch. And the fastball just kept climbing and kept rising. So with Paul Skeens, it just looks... Great for the future for the Pittsburgh Pirates now. And I don't know if I mentioned this, but he did get only two strikeouts and two innings. It's not bad. Uh, So, Paul Skeens looks right for the fitting. Uh, I guess I would uh, do wrong by this podcast if I didn't talk about the Pittsburgh Pirates uh, in their last night victory against the Minnesota Twins. 
And the only reason why I want to talk about it is because Jack Sawinski is trash. I think he is just a power guy and he's a young kid still. This whole team is, but I say it all the time. Young teams go through streaks because that's what baseball is all about. If you are shit in the bed in the month of April and May, who cares? As long as you're starting to get hot at the right time in September and October, you're going to go far. But last night, though, the Pittsburgh Pirates, they won, I believe it was 7-5 to five or something like that. But the reason why I want to talk about it is because Andrew McCutcheon hit his 298th home run. 298. Two more to go for 300. And just a couple months ago, he hit his uh, 2,000th hit. Wouldn't it be something to end the year off with his 300th homer? It looks like that's going to be a great possibility. He's on pace for 300, probably to end the year off. Uh, I think he gets a home run every other three weeks or something like that, what I read on uh, Fangraph. Andrew McCutcheon hit a missile, though. Like, that was a dinger. But that motherfucker fast. (laughs) But now that we're out of the race for the playoffs, I don't really care if the Pittsburgh Pirates win or lose. I just want them to develop their guys. I don't have any faith in Quinn Priester. I have more faith in Anthony Salamato and AA Altoona. Jared Jones even, I have more faith in than Quinn Priester. I think that Quinn Priester was a bust. Nick Gonzalez, the second baseman. I think that he has some talent. Leover Perguero. I think that he has all... I think he's going to be a star. I think he's going to be the next Jay Hay, to be honest with you. Solid defensively. Has power for his size. Unbelievable. People were comparing him to Jose Altuve. I was like, okay, let's hold your horses now. But Paul Skeens, if he has anything short of coming up and not having a call up like... Garrett Cole-esque Pittsburgh Pirates are doing it wrong and somehow some way they always end up managing fucking somebody over in the developmental stage in their career i.e. Tamar Johnson I think Tamar Johnson is going to be a great player but that is a very great problem to have for the Pittsburgh Pirates Tamar Johnson is climbing up that ladder because Leo Perguero he was where Tamar Johnson is last year, and Leo Perguero, he just kept climbing the ladder, and now he's in the big leagues, and he's still making a name for himself. If you want my personal opinion, I think the hitting coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Andy Hayes, I think he needs to be gone after this season. I know that they gave him a chance after the end of last year because it was the end of uh Uh, The one season where it's like, oh, you know, let's give him a chance. Didn't really have a fair opportunity with the uh, the MLB strike. And then the year before that was COVID. Uh, You know, okay, let's give him another chance. But now he has a full season under his belt for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Their hitting was great in the month of April and the beginning of May. But after that, he's done nothing. 
I think that he needs to go and they need to cut ties with Andy Hayes and get a new hitting coach on their team. Derek Shelton, he can stay. I love his uh, passion for the team. I I question a lot of things that he does. Uh, the moves that he does, um, the bullpen choices that he does. But, you know, I think that he is passionate about it, and that's really big. He's close with the whole, you know, the whole team. And I think that really says and that really speaks volumes for the organization when uh, people come up. And that's something that I would love to see Derek Shelton if he does stay and if we turn a corner like next year and he's still their manager, it would be a great thing to see. Uh, I know that they're not even in the wild card race for it. Even the Cardinals, they're having a down year. Thank God it's about fucking time. But you know what that means? They're probably going to get the number one overall pick in the MLB lottery draft. And they're probably going to get somebody, and then within a year, they're going to be back on top. So let's just enjoy this now, Pirates fans, while we have it. We have a better record than the St. Louis Cardinals almost at the end of the year. The Cardinals, they sit at 54 and 70. They're uh, how many games back now? They're uh, 13 games back. But that's not really saying much. Uh, I know that they have the third worst record in the NL, the Pirates, and at 68 losses, and uh, yeah, no, uh, they might be in the top five uh, for next year's draft, so I guess uh, continue to keep loading them up, (laughs) but that's going to do it for me, guys, so I hope that you enjoyed this uh, brand new episode and brand new podcast of the 814 to 412 shout out to my eerie pa for uh 814 guys out there again if you like what you heard give me a thumbs up give me a negative five star review do whatever that you want <laughs> but uh, hit that like button and hit that subscribe button i will try to do a routine here uh, every week, uh, maybe twice a week, three times a week, whatever, uh, how well this podcast does. If I get maybe uh, 10 subscribers, I will hit the next episode. If not, I will still hit up the next episode, but I'll talk to you guys later. Thanks for joining me.